beginning a new series for this month of May, looking at women of faith, focusing on today about how God's faithfulness in our response want us to think about the the words we sang earlier that we believe and think about what you believe governs how you act. If you believe something to be true, then you act accordingly. And, and so I, I want to think about moments and times when something came to your remembrance. Something came true to you. And, and maybe it might be a mental landmark in your life. It might be a monument in your life. Oftentimes, since we don't own land, we don't have landmarks, but we have photo albums. Uh, back in the day, many of us had photo albums or scrapbooks before there was Facebook uh, to gather up your pictures and document your achievements and what you have done uh, in your life. Before there were selfies, you had a stand and a timer and a, and a photographer and a camera that you hit the click and you ran on the other side for it to take the picture of you and those around. Some of y'all laughing, know what we're talking about. Those are laughing, I don't know what they're talking about. I, I just put my phone in front of me and I took a picture. That's how I got in front of the monument. I was in D.C. Click right there. Everybody knows I'm in D.C. right there. I only sent a postcard, say, guess where I am? I sent a picture instantly it's on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you have. And they already know where you've been, what you've done. But back in the day, we took time to document and write it down and, and make it something unique to us. So we would go out to a, a, a hobby place. And you get you some construction paper and you get you different kind of things to decorate that page. Say, this is when I went to Disney World. This is when I went to this amusement park. This was my first cruise, my first flight. You have your copy of your ticket. Yeah, am I talking to somebody here? Yeah, you got a copy of, of everything you did there to put right there. Like you got a passport. Say, I experienced this. But now I want to ask you, can you take a time to remember the monument, the, the landmark of faith in your life? When you came to realize on this place or in this spot or in this area, I found out God is real. It, it, it might have been in a, in a hospital room. You saw the birth of your first child. You said, man, God is real. It, it, it might have it been the, the day you saw your child graduate and you just thought about how good God is. It, it might have been the day you got the call from the doctor to let you know the test was clear. And you said, thank you, God. You, you, you might remember the day that you got the phone call and, and realized something changed in your life. And you knew if it wasn't for the grace of God, the situation won't be as good as it is. And oftentimes we, we think about God, how he showed up at the right time. It was a dark time in our life. It was a hard time in our life. And his hope, his light blessed us. To bring us for my talking somebody this morning. I get one person that can say, he's done it for me. I get one more person that say, amen, preach. You're talking about it. Because you know that God's been good to you. You can look back over your life and count those moments of saying, this landmark represents this. 
One, one landmark that I want to highlight for us to further illustrate how great God is, that the Washington Monument, many of us know the Washington Monument, one of the most recognized monuments in, our, in America besides the Statue of Liberty, especially in D.C. Do you understand when they built the Washington Monument, uh, they built it in such a way uh, that they don't want any other building to be higher than it? That way you can see it no matter where you are in D.C. Only one building is a little bit higher than the Washington Monument. And that's Capitol Hill because it's on the hill. But that's the only one that's able to be over, to be above. But everything else has to be under the, the measurements of the Washington Monument so that no wherever you are in D.C., you can see the monument that documents the first president of the states. It's, it's imperative to them because do you understand how George Washington could have been a king? They wanted to have a king like they had in England. You know, we, we oftentimes mimic and model what we've seen before us. Uh, think about it. We use the terminology for who's the ruler of your club as president because that's what we know. But if we had a king, you say you are the king of this club. Y'all quiet on me. We, we mock what we know. And so here it is. They said, we're going to get a new king. He says, nope, I don't want to be a king. Well, we got to get a title for you and we got to come up with rules. He said, well, let's go with pre- presiding officer where we get president. And he says, it'll become. So he could have, we could have a lineage of Washingtons over us. Passed down from generation to generation. But he decided that I didn't want to be king. But I want to be president. So we have a monument to, in, to that memorize the one who established our democracy and the way that we have terminology to have a president that does not have a, a authoritarian rule, but we have a, a democracy and a republic established. And so that is centered, that's office for our government. So when people come, they recognize that this is how it was established and how it was a building. And you have the three branches there. And so, you know, when you go to D.C. now, there's a lot of monuments there. A lot of landmarks to, re- to help us remember what the country has accomplished, what the country has gone through, and what it stands for. So can you go back in your life and think about some monuments in your life? What was it at the baptistry pool? You can remember the day you got baptized, how God showed a special emphasis in your life. Can you remember the first time you took of the bread and, and drank of the cup to remember it was his blood that washed you white as snow. It was his body that was nailed to the cross. Do you remember the time, some of you remember this, the mourner's bench, when you were sitting on the mourner's bench when mama or grandmama or big mama told you it was your turn. And you was up there on that bench trying, waiting to see what was going to happen, trying to figure out whether you're going to believe God or not. And, and you made up your mind. Do you remember the time that you were out there all by yourself living in the world, but someone came and told you about Jesus and your life changed? You remember the time that you were at a crossroad and you don't know if you're going to make it or not. And you're like, God, I need some help. And, I, and if you can't do it, no one else can. And I'm looking for some help. Well, that's where we find our text today. A, a woman that's in a moment of a crossroad. Looking at God and saying, God, it's up to you. I need something, someone to step in and change the direction of my life. Because something has happened. She, she understands this. Now, look, join with me as we deal with women of faith. Notice that this woman does not have a name and it's not mentioned. We just know her situation. Uh, it says she's a widow. 
So it means that at once she was married and her husband is dead. Uh, and yet also lets you know that she's a single mom. It says she's a widow with not one but two sons. Uh, so she got two issues she got to take care of. Uh, she's concerned about. She says, one day the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. I, I, I know this is Mother's Day, but I just want to highlight this real quick here about the father. Notice that it don't say much about the father, but he feared God. I, I, was, I got one more amen in the house. Because he feared God, the wife knew where to go. Notice her identification came that one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets. How was she a member of the group of the prophets? Because her husband was a member of the group of the prophets. And not only was he a member, but he lived the life. He says, you know, as I know. Yeah, y'all see that there? She says, you know, as I know, he feared God. You know, as I know, that he wasn't no jack leg. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't acting like he knew God, but he wasn't living for God. You know, and I knew him privately, as you knew him publicly, he was the same man. I, I was at one more witness. Uh, so, so because he lived his life and given glory and honor to God, it allowed for the mother to lead the children in the same direction. I got a few amens. Y'all hard today. His mother's, I ain't going to say amen about that daddy. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't nowhere near around. I'm going to let you know that the legacy is there. Because the father was obedient. It had a connection to the man of God. Y'all look, look closely here with me. Look, look what happened here. Is that the man of God says, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? I, I want you to see God's movement in your life. See, God was already moving in the widow's life before she was a widow. While the man was there, he was always pointing her to trust in God. And now that God has, has allowed her husband to pass, God is still present. And God is, is now leading her where the man of God was already leading her, saying, you, I've, I've, I've spent time with the prophets. I was fearing God, trusting in God. Now she realized, now let me go do what I've seen him do. Let me go talk to this man. He's done spent all this time with this man. Let me go find out what this man is really about. She comes to Elisha with her problems. Now, notice here, Elisha looking at, what can I do about your problems? I ain't the kid's daddy. Y'all follow here that he's looking at them saying that they ain't going to come live with me. He's basically saying like them, your problems, right? Like what can I do for you? Because Elisha understand I'm limited in what I can do. I, I can't be the daddy for your children. But yeah, I, I can see God moving in this place. Let me see what God's going to do. So what can I do for you? Uh, what do you have? So Elisha, he's a servant of God, and, and as a servant of God, he serves what? God's people. And so the people of God come to him seeking God's message to do something for him. So Elisha, also being a servant of God, had disciples, and so one of those disciples was her husband. And so he knew all of them, so he had to be a good student. Y'all know good students, the teacher know you. 
If you're not in class, you absolutely, they really don't know who you, they forget about you. Oh, yeah, you were in my class. I forgot about that. And so God provides us with leaders to step in, to lead us to God's presence. See God's moving in your life. Sometimes God allows you to meet certain people at the right time just to lead you further into where he wants you to be. Doesn't mean you need to have to become friends and, and have a long relationship, but yet you want to receive. Can someone say receive? What God has put in them in your life. Notice, notice the brief relationship here that Elisha has with her. He talks to her and tells her what to do, and he, we don't hear from him again. It was a brief relationship, but yet what was lasting was the movement of God. Look to God's messenger. He gave her a, 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 a sense of hope and providence. Looking at this text, I also want you to look at how Elisha is a, 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 a what you can compare to being God, and the widow you can compare to being Israel. She's looking to Elisha for hope and trusting that Elisha can deliver what only he can do, something supernatural. And Israel's like that with God, like, God, we in desperate times. And we're looking at you for hope and for you to do what only you can do. Let me help you out. Do you understand that they're in times of, of, of apostasy now? They have long left following God and being a good. This is long, David and Solomon long gone. The people following God and being faithful to God are not as good as it should be. The kingdom's divided. They're going through all kinds of trials and tribulations. And, and here it is. God is still showing that I love you even though you are rebellious. See, the widow should not be a slave. The, God says, my, my children, my people should not be slaves. And if they become in debt, catch this, they should be able to be debt free within six or seven years. Because that would be the sabbatical year or the year of Jubilee. But here it is. Notice what it says here that she said her sons are going to become slaves. Which means that there's something stranger because oftentimes if, the, if you look in, Exodus 21st chapter about slavery rules is that oftentimes if the husband becomes indebted, the family becomes indebted, not just the sons. The family. She didn't say she was going to become a slave. She said, he's going to come take my sons, which means that I'll be left impoverished because they will be the bread one. They'll be the ones to be able to work and carry property names. So you can see there's some sin issue messing up Israel that is allowing poverty to come into place and that God's people to be in debt. But yet she realizes that, Lord, you can make a difference. So she doesn't have to sell herself into slavery. And the father's debt became the family's debt. And, you know, hard times cause hard times for everybody. And so the hard times on the dad, it became a hard time on the family. Daddy thought he could take care of the debt. He passed away before the debt was settled. It fell on the children. Mama trying to figure out how we going to get out of this mess. He was faithful. He loved God. He served God. You know this, Elisha. He was with you all this time. What, what can you do to help us out? What can be done to settle the debt? Think about how God realizes that we have a debt. And who can settle our debt? Only but God. So you see the, 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 uh, the parallels on the graph here, Elisha being like God, 
the widow being like us or Israel need of someone to settle our debts, to deal with our sins, deal with our mistakes, deal with our problems, to fix what only they can fix. And so God is desperate for people to do justice and to help the oppressed and defend the orphans and fight for the rights of the widows. We find in Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of the widows. That's what Elisha is doing. Again, acting as God, looking for the orphan. Make sure these children don't become orphans. We won't keep you as the mother. Uh, we see that you are oppressed. We see that you are a widow. No one's fighting for you, but yet I'm in the position I can do something for you. Faith reminds us what only God can do. I want you to remind, remind yourself that God can only do certain things. And there's some things that I can do, but I'm limited. If we remind ourselves that there is a God and I'm not him, it helps us remind ourselves who we are, that we are dependent in God, on God, trusting in God. And so three actions I want us to look at it happens that, that God's messenger has asked you to do. Uh, three actions I want to get into that. God will do what only he can do. God will have you use what you already have. And God wants you to do what he tells you to do. So first and foremost, notice he asked her, what does she have? With my biblical imagination, she says, I have nothing but olive oil. And so with my biblical imagination, I, I, I see an a, a empty hut with nothing but olive oil. And so I, I, I could see in modern times there'd be an empty apartment with nothing but a cabinet that has olive oil in it. You can see the dust spots from where the furniture has been taken. You can see the dust spots from where the TV was given up. Everything has been, because she's been trying to make it. And so she done sold stuff. She done pawned stuff. She done let go stuff. And said, so all I got is this. And he says, well, here's what you do. Go ask your neighbors and your friends to give you jars. So that you can pour the olive oil in these jars. Now, 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 now think about it, right? All I got is one jar. Why, all I got is one thing of oil. Why do I need multiple jars? I got a few people with me. Let, let me see if I can get all of you with me. He is testing her faith. See, God has given us already a measure of faith. But yet, when we trust God, he will stretch our faith. I got a few more people with me. I'm, 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 building, I'm building them up. I'm building them up, Jeff. I'm a, y'all, 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 y'all make me work hard this morning. That's all right. Oh, I'm a preach, preacher. I'm trying. I mean, here we go. And so when you have just a little bit of faith, God works with that. And he can make it stronger so the next time something comes, your faith increases. And once it got that a little bit stronger, then he gives you something else and he makes it bigger than that. Anybody here ever worked out before? The first time you worked out, you had five pound weights. You go, I could do pretty good, right? Next thing you know, I said, I could, oh, I could lift 10 pounds. Here it go, right? And you start getting stronger. So next thing you know, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to really go for it today, right? And you go up to get, I'm going to give me a 50 pound weight. Oh, no, 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 too much. All right, let me go back down. See, God will only give you the increase you know you can do. 
He won't want to put you in a place that you hurt or injure yourself. Uh, he always gives you what you can handle. So here it is that her faith has reached the limit that here's the time you got to trust God. Uh, you came down to the bare minimum. You've been doing good so far, but now you're called out to God. Wonder if something can change in your life. Can something miraculously happen to get you out of the issue that you are in? Here it is. God says you got one vast of olive oil. The man of God told you, go out and get as many. Mm. Look at the instructions. Borrow as many empty jars. Can somebody say empty? Empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and can someone say shut the door? Oh, glory be to God. I've read this text many of times, but this time something hit me when he says, shut the door. Because he's pointing out that what I'm about to do is for you. This is not about your neighbor. This is not somebody across the street. But I'm about to do something specifically and intimately for you. Don't nobody else need a seat. What I'm about to do in your life. But if you just trust me, just do what I ask you to do. And you put yourself in the position to see a miracle happen in your life. Anybody here desperate for a miracle? Desperate for God's presence? Well, if you just do what God calls you to do. Just get in this place and do what he says for you to do. And watch him show up. You know how we like to say how he will show up and he will show out. He will show up, do what he only he can do. He told her, shut the door. Oh, glory be to God. Notice that it was a family event. It was the mother and the two sons involved in this action. She, he didn't tell her, you go. She said, you and your son. She had her sons. I said, come on, boys. We need as many as I get. I got one arm and another arm that makes two. You got one, two. You got one, two. That's six arms. Let's go get them. In my, 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 my Holy Ghost imagination, I could see a wagon. You know what I'm saying? They done put a wagon together, boy. And I, I see three wagons. Each one got one. So we're going to fill these bad boys up. Let's go on down. And, and I could see them looking at the time, saying, it's almost supper time. We got a few more houses to get before they all close their doors and sit down and eat together. We need to get this done, children. And I could see them lining them up. Coming in. Mama, shut the door, baby. Let's get busy. Notice that there were empty, empty containers. Here's here's one encourage us that in order for us to be filled by God, we got to be empty. We need to make sure that anything that's of us is out, so we can totally be filled with Him. Notice that she can't sell contaminated olive oil. They want pure olive oil. We want pure God in us, then we can't contaminate hell of somebody. So we need to remove ourselves. See, so faith reminds us what only God can do. So God is stretching her to trust him. She had nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. And notice that this was not important for her survival. She can't eat it. You know, but yet that's all she had. But yet notice, I'm going to encourage you that oftentimes what seems not important to you, God can make it the most important thing in your life. You didn't think that seatbelt meant anything to you. 
But once you got into that accident and you walked out, you found it's the most important thing in my life. See, see, see someone I, I, I got to is right there. That, that's your manual. That's your lamb. Know that God is real. That you, you know he was real for a fact because you know you weren't paying attention. You weren't driving the way you should be driving. But somehow, some way, you walked out of a car that is not drivable. And you realize, oh, God, you are a keeper. You are a sustainer. Some of you remember that you went for your routine checkup. You normally don't go to, but this time you went to. The doctor found a problem. But he told you that you came at the right time. Because if you'd have came at this time, there wouldn't have been nothing we could have done about it. It'd have been a wrap. You've been planning your funeral. But since we called it at this time, I'm talking to somebody here. You got a few more years <laughs> to say hallelujah and praise the Lord. You see, when we allow God to move in our lives, we start realizing the little things become big things that become our landmarks, become our monuments. So you think this olive oil meant nothing to her, but now it means something to her. The boys probably could care less about that olive oil, but now it means something to them because God, the man of God, told them to do something. God tells you to do what only you can do. Notice Elisha says, let me gather you this buckets. No, he says, this is what you got to do. I want, you to, I want you to understand this, that God is going to do his part. We have to do our part. Tell your neighbor, do your part. You see, see, God lets you know that he loves you, he cares for you. But if you don't believe him, he's not going to force you. Many are perishing because lack of belief. He's going to open up the Lamb's Book of Life, and the Lamb's Book of Life is going to have those who believe in him. Those who do not believe have been condemned. And so it's up to you to say, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. Let me encourage somebody that has that bumper sticker that says, because he says it, I believe it. And that settles it. I want you to understand that no matter if you believe it or not, because he says it, it is. I got few people with me. I just want you to know that when God says it, it's a fact. You don't, gotta, you don't need no footnotes. You don't need to look it up. You don't need no additional resources. If God said it. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Do you know when something is filled to the brim, another way we say that is satisfied, it's more than enough. Do you understand only God can satisfy? He can give us more than enough. And, and, and notice how, I, how I'm reading this. This is how I, I'm reading this, this part in verse, verses uh, uh, 5 and 6. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing it. How I'm reading is that she kept on doing what God told her to do, and she kept on seeing God blessing her. That, that, that's how I'm interpreting what I'm reading. He see, keeps on seeing God blessing her one after another. Every time a son came, that's a blessing. Uh, thank you, son. That's a blessing. She was counting her blessings. It was getting so good to her. She says, bring me some more. She said, God, I want more blessings. Child said, Mama, that's it. There's none left. But yet, you know, that was enough. She didn't think it was enough. Anybody been blessed by God, but you don't think it was enough? 
I've been there many times in my life. Some of y'all can say amen, but I know I can say amen that God, you blessed me. I think it was enough. The man of God let her know. She, she went and go and tell the man of God. Y'all with me there? Verse 7. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what's left over. I I, I want you to look at the order here. What is to be settled first? The debts. Notice he did not say, now go get some groceries. Go get you some new clothes. Go get that new chariot you were eyeing on the way here. No, he said, go settle your... Some of us, some of us need to remind ourselves of proper priorities. You got into this mess. God's going to get you out of this mess. So don't do it your order. Do it God's order. Don't be starting thinking, man, woo, all this excess stuff, what can I do with this? And be back in debt. He says, go and settle your debt. But also in settling of the debt, notice that she has more than enough after the debt is settled. That He says that you and your sons can live off of. Live off of. God's provision is lasting. So when we trust in God, hallelujah, he will never leave us nor forsake us. The psalmist says, I, I, I was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen your seed begging for bread. Aren't you glad that God provides for his people? Remember I said, you see, Elisha as God, the widow as Israel. Elisha showed, gave her instructions how she can have provision. But now can I t- take this step a little bit further, how Elisha is kind of a type of Christ that gave her instructions and provision of how she can settle her debt that she could not settle? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of you. How precious is the flow that makes me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. She was not going to get out of there, but by God's movement through the Son of Man. You know, in one of the Gospels, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Let them know that there was a prophet in the past that provided for widows, that took after the orphans and did miraculous signs. But here's one before you who is greater, and he is the son of God. He is the great I am. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the ancient star. Hallelujah. He is the glory of God himself in flesh, providing our redemption. And notice that the, she went from calling him Elisha to the man of God because she saw God's presence. She said, he is who he says he is. God's presence. Notice that when she closed the door, the atmosphere shifted. It went from a place of poverty to a place of blessing. When when, when she closed the door, all of a sudden, the time of depression became a sense of hope. 
that God's going to bring us out of this some way, somehow. Let me see. Baby, bring the first container. She pours it out. There's still stuff in here. Bring me the next container. She starts pouring out. Oh, God, you bless me with another one. All right, baby, bring them on. And she starts pouring them and pouring them, counting the blessing after blessing till she starts realizing the boy's not coming back with another job. Say, that's enough, mama. And so in my mind, I, 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 this is how I am. I, I can't say the widows this way, but this is how I would have been. I've been like, all right, I did what you said as there's some more jars because I want more. But the prophet says, no, that's enough. God's provision is lasting. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that what we have is what we have. Don't try to compare yourself to somebody else because you're not somebody else. Take what God has given you because what God has given you, he has given you. And what he has given you, it is for you. And it will work for you because he's given it to you. So you need to be a good steward of what God has given you. Take care of it. Make sure you are making sure that is working in your life. And so that you don't get back in the problem you were in the first place. So you see the response. Her response was obedience to God. Our response is to trust him for what he said he's going to do. And and notice that how he satisfied her debt. And when he satisfied her debt, he let her know that now you guys can live debt free. She has not Christ set it up so that we can live debt free. For the wages of sin is death. We owe God death. But Christ says, I've come that you might have life. And life more abundantly. So the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so we have a new lease on life by just trusting and depending on the word of God. Notice how, how this text shows us. Elisha did not demonstrate to her how to pour the olive oil into the jar. He just told her what to do. He did not come with her into the house. It says she went in the house by herself with her sons and they closed the door, which means that it was only had to be God that made what was little to become extra. He was able to stretch out what she thought was nothing to be all her value. That she, because olive oil for the, in the air near Asia East was a valuable entity that she was able to sell, and selling it was the profit she was able to live after. Because everybody needed olive oil. Some of us, you know, you know, it's about to be summertime, and some of us know that you know you need extra lotion. Y'all, y'all quiet on. Um, now, some of you walk out and people think you're already wearing socks. But you know that you just forgot to put some Lake Ocean on. And so you know that you got to stock up. You got lotion in the car. You got lotion in your purse. You got lotion in the glove compartment. You got lotion at your desk. You want to make sure the people don't thought you were baking during your break when you came back in. You want you to let them all know that I, I keep So they needed olive oil. It was hot out there in the day. They didn't want to dry up. 
So they had to put it on their beard, they put it on their head, they anointed it and, and covered themselves so that they would stay fresh and, and hydrated out there. And it was a common. So she, she had the corner beat on Walgreens and CVS. She was the market. And anybody needed some, they knew where to go. We go to the widow's house. <laughs> she got more than enough over there. And she was able to sell. So her, her son, I could see the open up, the widows and two sons open up their market. Here it is that when you know that God provides for you, because you just do what he asks you to do, it's amazing how he can make it work out. And now notice again, it says that she closed the door. So how to become public? I, I guarantee that people start saying, weren't you about to sell your two sons? Let me, child, let me tell you what God did. And the story spread that we have it in this account to know that what God can do. I want to encourage you that if God can do it for this widow and two sons, We don't know the name of the widow, the name of the two sons, or the name of her late husband. But aren't you glad God knows your name? So just keep your faith in God. And our proper response is is just to obey him and allow him to change and move in our lives as only as he can. Let us turn to our God and pray.